Welcome to the podcast of the Sexology Institute. Listeners will probably notice that lately we've been interviewing members of the staff of the Sexology Institute, and today is no different. We have with us today Becky. She's an educator here at the Sexology Institute. She is also a newly graduated sex coach. She has her master's degree in education, and she's going to talk with us about her history and about what she is doing now with the Sexology Institute. Well, I was born in Pocatello, Idaho to, uh, my dad was enlisted Navy. My mom, I believe, also worked. I was the third of four children. I have an older brother, an older sister, and a younger sister. I grew up pretty much in the military. I lived in Hawaii, California, Virginia, and Washington. And then in Idaho, we kind of settled down when I was in sixth grade. So from then on, I stayed in Pocatello, Idaho. And when I graduated high school and turned 19, I joined the Army, and I was a medic. And I met my husband, well, my ex-husband in Germany when I was stationed there. And How old were you when you met him? I was 19. And then when we left Germany, we came back to Texas, uh, gave birth to our first child, Brendan. And then I got out of the military and he got out of the military shortly after and we moved to San Antonio where I gave birth to our second child, Jade. And then I, what, what took you to San Antonio after the military? Uh, my ex-husband, Joseph, his sister-in-law was down here and her family. And so we kind of just came down here because, you know, they invited us and said it was a great city. Come on down. And then let's see. My parents came down to spend a, let's see, the winter in 1996 and they didn't go home until I think it was 2011 so their winter turned into 16 years and then we had lived in Chicago and I tried some time in Idaho and we moved back to Chicago and when I graduated college I wanted to go into education but there weren't a lot of jobs in the Chicagoland area so San Antonio was hiring teachers at the time, and so I came down here. So what did you teach? I taught third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade my first year as a teacher at a charter school, and I did the social studies and English reading block. I had a partner that did the math and science. And how long were you a teacher? I was a teacher for 15 years. I've taught... Uh, third through fifth grade all subjects as well and then I've also taught sixth grade science and eighth grade science okay you know the conversation we're having today is you know centered primarily around sex and the sex related fields what was your sex education like growing up uh, let's see my sex education would be abstinence only my parents we didn't talk a lot about sex in our house. My brother did get his girlfriend pregnant when she was 16. How was that received by your parents? Kind of stressful. Um, they got married. They're still married after almost 30 years, which is 
a miracle in itself because most young people at that age don't ever last. They have four children now. My parents, you know, as religious and conservative as they are, were pretty loving and accepting. It was difficult. I know that I acted out a lot because my dad took on supporting pretty much two families at this time. And I was a bratty teenager that wanted more from my parents. What does acting out mean? I rebelled. Um, I was bratty. I would uh, throw tantrums if I did not get things that I wanted. I kind of rejected their value system for a while. I partied a little bit, uh, got into a little bit of trouble. I was arrested once for illegal consumption, but my parents picked me up from a party and then they took me to breakfast the next morning. I didn't understand that until I felt the hangover and the smell of eggs. And so I think my parents kind of allowed us to have natural consequences for things like that. How old were you at that time? I was 16. And as far as sex education in school, it was just about STDs. And I think they told us about condoms, but nothing else. What grade would that have been in? I think that was my sophomore or junior year. And so that would have been 1989, 1990. So during the 80s, we had the AIDS scare. And so there were things like that that people were worried about, but I lived in Pocatello, Idaho. None of those things were going to affect us. Is that how you felt at the time? Pretty much. Do you think, did it affect you? No, I was pretty free with things that I chose to do. We just lived our lives. I had a really great group of church friends, and then I had a really great group of fun friends. So it was almost like I lived a double life. So you mentioned the sex education in school at that time. Was that just a, a one-day class or was it? A... Yes, it was a one-day class. So where did you get any other sex education? I mean, did you, where did you learn anything else about sex as a teenager? Um, from friends or experimentation. After the first time I had sex, I, I wasn't married. And growing up in the church, that was like a huge thing. And at that point, I never thought I'd get married that no one would ever want me because I was tainted. So I kind of just scratched that out of the my whole plan of life and kind of just did what I wanted. Did you feel like other people knew what had happened? No, I don't think so, but I knew, and that was enough. A couple of my friends knew, and it wasn't under ideal circumstances. Today, they probably would call it date rape. And so because of that, you felt like you were not going to get the life you wanted? Exactly. And what was the life you wanted? Just um, married, family, raised my kids in the church. And uh, at one point, I wanted to be an attorney. I knew that I wanted to be educated. I knew that. But financially, my parents weren't able to pay for college. And that was a lot of the reason why I joined the military was to get my college paid for. Was there a significant degree of shame or guilt around that experience? Oh, absolutely. There was a lot of guilt. Sometimes I still feel guilty. Did you feel responsible? Yes. 
I believe that I did feel responsible because, again, I put myself into a situation that I shouldn't have put myself into. And so I did blame myself. Do you still? I try to go through life and look at things and choices with a no regrets attitude that everything that I've done has taught me something, has helped me be stronger in some way, and hopefully will help me help others. And how's that been working out for you, that new attitude? Well, I'm not nearly as stressed out as I used to be. And that's helpful because I'm kind of, sometimes I find myself being very high strung. So I don't want to live my life being grumpy and freaking out over small things all the time. Just kind of go with it. And I think that comes with time and maturity as well. So moving into young married life, what was that like? Well, we were both in the military and I got pregnant on my honeymoon. So our young married life turned into young family life almost immediately. I was stationed, we were stationed in Germany. And so we were pretty far away from family. And that was nice. I think it helped Joseph and I rely on each other a lot more than our families. So that was good. And then we came back to the States and we... Uh, just went about, you know, juggling bills and babies. Um, and then I got pregnant shortly after having Brendan with Jade and I was on birth control pills. So I was not expecting that at all. And that put a strain on our relationship, uh, pretty well. Uh, Joseph had an affair, uh, during this time when I was pregnant with Jade what were the consequences of that? We ended up filing bankruptcy. I, um, my, that was the, the winter that my parents came down uh, to stay with us. My sister Wendy had been living with us. Uh, she was pregnant with Nathan at the time, and she was a single mom, and the opportunities in San Antonio were better for her than they were in Idaho. So... We invited her to come down and stay with us. And when I found out that he was having an affair, I moved out of the house. Um, My parents were on their way down, and they had no idea that this was going on. They came into San Antonio to find out that I was living with my sister instead of in our home. And my parents were very supportive. Um, My mom told me, at one point that, you know, things are hard and that she hopes that I'll think about forgiveness and and keeping my family together because family is important. How did that situation turn out? Well, I think for me, I think the trust was completely gone. And I don't think I ever fully regained trust with Joseph. So I poured myself into school I started going to college when Jade was eight months old. And I went on and did a lot of school. I completed my bachelor's in general studies in North, at Northeastern Illinois. At that point, I had been to seven different colleges or universities. I had about 155 credits 
which I really only needed about 120. <laughs> but I really enjoyed learning. I enjoyed the interaction with people. And so I kind of just poured myself into school and work at that point. Um, after we graduated, we came down here to San Antonio. We were sealed in the temple. And then shortly after that, uh, Joseph left for another woman. And that did not go well with me. I did not handle divorce well at all. What do you mean by not handle it well? Oh, I was psychotic. I was a crazy person. I would show up at his girlfriend's house and scream in the parking lot about the homewrecking whore that lived there and keep your husbands away from her. Um, yeah, I had breakdowns in the middle of the night. There were times that my dad would sleep on my couch just so I wasn't home alone. I sent my children to stay with my sister for about six weeks, my sister that lived in Idaho, so they wouldn't be experiencing all of my crazy. How long ago was that? That was, let's see, he left in 2008, so 10 years. Looking back at that time, that experience, what are you, what would you change if you could go back and have both that again? Protecting my kids from his choices. That I worked so hard to protect my children that it cost me a lot of myself. Um, when he would spend his money on his girlfriends instead of buy Christmas presents, I would wrap presents and put his name on them. So my children never knew how bad it really was. But in the meantime, they pictured their dad as this wonderful person who never did anything wrong. And I was always the bad guy. So you're saying you wish you would have protected them more or not have protected them as much? I wish that I would have protected them a little bit less. I wish they, that I would have been strong enough to explain to them, I'm really sorry that, you know, someone else is making these choices, but this is what I can do for you. Um, there's a lot of fam family therapy. There was therapy for my oldest son. I think the kids, to this day, the kids are still pretty affected by it. Unfortunately, I try to be better, but Joseph and I really don't have any type of relationship at all. His new wife could care less about me. Um, and that's difficult because we have a grandson and it brings animosity into the family unit when adults can't get along. But all I can do is the best that I can. I can't make choices for other adults, and I can't tell them how to behave. Sounds like you're still going through the process of hurting through this. Unfortunately, um, it's because my kids are hurting. Uh, when I see that my children are struggling, it kills me. And a lot of times I'm the one that they vent to because my father would call it, I'm the safe parent. <laughs> so. So I guess going back in when the marriage was going back into the marriage and as it was ending, how was sex involved in that? I mean, you uh -oh. mentioned that he'd had an affair 
Um, what role does sex play at that time um, for you and in the for situation me? and in the situation overall? Okay, uh, I would try to use sex to keep him at home. I would try to convince him to do things that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with in order to keep him around. Um, he played back and forth of I'm going to move back home, I'm going to stay with a girlfriend type of thing back and forth. Um, so I felt used Was this a lot the of first times. affair or the... This was the second one. Okay. Uh, I was still at a point where I would have done anything to keep my family together. So sex was used as part of that. So it was more of just nothing that was enjoyable. It was just something that was there. So let's jump back to more present day. So right now you're pursuing, becoming a sex educator. You're a sex educator. Yes. Correct? Um, how did that transition happen? How did you get involved in that? Okay. Well, uh, well, Melissa, uh, I came to her grand opening when she opened the boutique on South Alamo. And I just looked at her and I said, you know, Melissa, what you're doing is amazing. If you ever need help, give me a call. And one day she called, asked me, are you serious about helping? And I said, absolutely. And so I came down and started working as a concierge. And I learned about products. And uh, at the time we sold a lot of corsets. And I would meet with a lot of women. And I would be fitting them into corsets. And they would open up and pour their hearts out. And I remember one time in particular, there was a woman that came in. And she had been married for 25 years. And her husband had just left her. And she was out with some girlfriends, and she had, I think, seven kids. And I put her in a corset, uh, told her to look at herself and how beautiful she was and how amazing she is. And I reminded her that things would get better. And she walked out wearing that corset. And it wasn't the sale that made me happy. It was the this woman left our boutique feeling amazing and that's and it was things like that where it's really started to hit me that we're not in the business to sell things i mean granted we do have to sell things to keep things going but we're really in the business of making people feel better and so i kept working and melissa was very good about scheduling me during, you know, school breaks and summer. And what started out is just, you know, me helping a friend and her helping me pay some bills turned into a passion of helping others. And how long have you been doing that? I've been with the Sexology Institute almost since it opened, so a little over three years. How have your plans or goals changed over those three years? Well, uh, while I was going through my divorce, I was working on a master's degree. So I have a master's in education. And while I was working at the Sexology Institute, I finished up my principal certification. I was planning on being an administrator in the public education system. That's what I wanted to do. And over time, there were some things happening in public education that were starting to bother me. I was seeing 
a lot of kids with a lot of choices and absolutely no accountability. The accountability for learning is put solely on the teachers. And I really was unhappy with the way things were going. And I just wanted a break. And this was, you know, becoming a sex coach is something I had thought about. Um, helping people. And it. one day... My mom was visiting, and my principal had emailed me to tell me. Um, she sent me an email that said, I need to talk to you about your failures. And at this time, I was also the department coordinator, and I responded with uh, my failures or the department failures, and she goes, both. And that's all she said. And I was upset because I had taken a day off, and... My stomach just dropped because I'm like, great, I'm going to get chewed for having failures. And my mom was visiting and I was really upset that I couldn't even enjoy a day with my mother without having something hanging over my head. And then later in the week, um, the theater department was putting on a performance for the eighth grade students and I had... I have, um, I had a lot of kids who were participating in that program and I just wanted to go see them because of my work schedule. I wasn't always able to go and see all of my students participate in the activities that they wanted to. And so I was really excited to go and see this. And then I got an email from the, let's see, the vice principal stating that the students who were not allowed to go because of behavior um, I would be babysitting the, them. And I thought, wow, my life is, my choices are being taken away from me based on other people's decisions. And I was angry. I mean, I cried. I was so upset because some of my favorite students were going to be participating in that and I wasn't going to be able to go. And it just broke my heart. And at that point, I, I thought, you know, what am I doing here? I need to do something where I have more control over my life and my future. So I made a decision. I finished out the school year very strong. I made sure that my department was taken care of, my students were taken care of. They learned the necessary things that they needed to learn to be successful. And this year I walked away. After 15 years, walk away from public education? I walked away from public education. I walked away from job security, health insurance, pension. I walked away from everything. So now what? Now what? I'm going to work hard to help build the Sexology Institute, work on education, work alongside Melissa, and hope and pray for the best. I'm going to spend more time with my children and my grandson. My daughter's about to have a second baby. My youngest one, Jory, she'll be a senior this year. And a couple years ago, her and her friend ordered condoms online at school because they found a website that gave free condoms. And she sent them to our house because her friend said, your mom won't care. She works at a sex store. And I looked at her and I said, yeah, I can just see the headlines. 
teacher providing condoms for kids. And she's like, oh, mom, she goes, you need to get out of education already. (laughs) So I've been supported by my mom, who I thought would be the worst, uh, but she's been very supportive. And my kids, and that's pretty much all that matters. You mentioned that you'd come to the grand opening of the Sexology Institute about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And why do you think that you were drawn to it versus all... The, do you think you're unique in your church and your upbringing that this is kind of a stretch for a lot of people in right. that traditional upbringing? And so how, why is it you think that you made that leap? I mean, Melissa did it, you've done it, right. but I'd say a, a lot of people would not. Well, um, my dad was Melissa's bishop at the time. And one of the things we used to talk, and he uh, told me that he supports Melissa 100%. Because there are a lot of times that couples would come and talk to him. And some of the problems that they were having in their marriage had to do with sex. And it was things that he did not feel comfortable discussing with people and he loved that Melissa with her values would be able to help couples that he wouldn't have been otherwise able to help and I actually remember the night that she had her grand opening up in medical center that my mom wouldn't go with my dad and so my dad said let's go support Melissa and we went up there and I remember talking to you do you remember that conversation No, I I don't. Okay. I said, I go, Mac, this is so amazing. I'm so proud of Melissa. I go, how are you doing with all of this? And you said, I'm just trying not to be embarrassed. And I looked at you. I said, are you kidding? I said, I'm here with my dad. And he goes, and you said, good point. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it. And um, I just knew, you know, I've always trusted my father. And so I felt good and confident about doing this, but I also knew that in marriage, I had an unfulfilling sex life, but I didn't realize that until after. I grew up knowing that, okay, sex is for procreation, but at no time in my life did anyone tell me that, hey, sex is enjoyable, enjoy it, it's amazing. Um, You know, women should be having orgasms, Better yet, women should be demanding orgasms. Nobody told me that I was in control of all of those aspects in my life. I kind of just had to figure things out for myself. So what do you see your role being in the sex field? Honestly, I would love to help women and couples. And more importantly, I would love to teach the youth. Uh, One of the things that really bothers me is the lack of sex education in schools. And uh, I had a conversation with someone once that most of the time sex education is conducted by people who would most likely overlook sexual abuse and coercion. And that's the coaches. You know, we live in a society of the good old boys clubs. And... Unfortunately, as much as people are trying to change those stereotypes, 
some still exist. And those are the people who are tasked to teach our kids about sex. And especially the young women who, I have 40-year-old women that come in here that know nothing about their bodies. I have young girls that come in uh, curious and they don't, they know nothing. And it just breaks my heart that someone else is controlling their sexuality in the way that they're educating them. What does proper sex education for youth look like to you? I would say full comprehensive with the ability to make their own choices. Um, I have a 17-year-old, Jory. We are very open about sex. And we talk about it quite a bit. And she asks questions. And she looks around and she sees her friends having sex. And she sees her friends performing oral sex. And her comment to me is, Mom, why do all of these girls think that they need a guy to validate them? And I think by especially with young women, empowering them to know their bodies, empowering them to love themselves and to be knowledgeable that we help them maybe wait a year or two to have sex because they're not trying to find that fulfillment through someone else that they feel comfortable and confident about themselves. Have you approached anyone about teaching in the schools? Um, not yet. Um, I am going to be working with a teacher this year. Uh, we are going to be collaborating, have a friend who draws and we want to start doing some notes for sex education with pictures that are sketches to kind of help lead the way. I'd like to write my own curriculum for sex education. Um, that's what my master's is in is curriculum and instruction and so that's what I'd really like to do maybe eventually lobby especially in Texas about better sex education Texas is so conservative that I don't know how long it would take but I know in San Antonio the teen pregnancy is higher than the national average I know that STDs and STIs are among the highest between uh, people 15 to 24 year old, years old. I know that more young people are suffering with oral cancers because of the HPV virus and oral sex. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about what kids really need to hear in a way that's not just scary, but empowering. So since taking on this new role in these last couple of years, what has changed about you? I have been become more compassionate. Um, I think where I've always felt like I've loved people, I think I have a better understanding of people now because we work with such a diverse population. And even my coworkers, I now see things through their eyes. I'm still, you know, pretty conservative, but I'm able to have great conversations with my friends who don't believe the same values that I have. And I'm able to see their perspective. And that, I believe, makes me a better person. 
have you had any new experiences that you appreciate? And I'd also follow by asking, have you had any experiences that were ones you maybe don't appreciate? Well, okay, so going through the sex coaching training, I have really had to step out of my comfort zone. Um, I went to a strip club and I had um, a lap dance by a male at one strip club and a female. Um, And one of the things that I learned was that the man was all about him. But when the I had the lap dance from the female, it was all about me. That she was nice, she was giving, kind, and it was all about me. And I thought, wow, even in strip clubs, there's a stark contrast between men and women. The man was all about, hey, give me my money. I gave you a lap dance, give me my money. And it was like, it wasn't even a good lap dance. Um, but the the young woman was amazing and she was nice. And she sat on my lap for a while and we just visited until the next song came on because she wanted to make sure that I got my full lap dance, which to be honest, I really didn't care. It's kind of weird. But for me, because it was odd, but just asking her if she felt empowered doing this or if she felt berated and what her limits were. And she really opened up and was very sweet. So that was interesting. Um, one of the strippers offered us cocaine. That kind of freaked me out a lot. So I'm like, nope, not us. <laughs> um, and then I went to the Players Club. And that is what? That is a club for people who like different lifestyles. So it's pretty much a sex club. And they gave us a tour. They were very nice. Um, And the one thing that I appreciated about that was the rules that were in place to protect women. It was set up that, you know, if you enter a room as a couple, you leave as a couple. Men were not, if you were registered as a couple, you weren't, men weren't allowed to attend by themselves. You had to bring your partner. Um, So that was interesting. And then once a month, and this happened Sunday night, um, I attended the Temple of Flesh, which is at the Players Club, and it is uh, more of a fetish club, and it's pretty much a free-for-all. There were people walking around nude, they had collars and leashes on, not everyone. Uh, Some people were fully clothed. They had a shibari rope um, demonstration going on. And you had people from all walks of life, all different body types, who were just happy and confident in who they were. And that was fascinating to watch. It was funny because Amber, I was with, uh, we were together, a few of us from sexology. And one woman came up to Amber when she saw her wearing the Vesper vibrating necklace and said, oh, you got that from sexology. And Amber's like, I work there. And she pointed to me and said, so does she. And the lady immediately was like, you teach the blowjob class. And so she recognized me. I'm like, yes, I teach the blowjob class. And within a few minutes, I saw her working on her skills. So I'm like, yay, application. I bet my eighth graders never applied science at home, but. And that wasn't the only one that did that. Another woman recognized me that I taught the blowjob classes. And as I was walking out, she was performing that service for her partner. So it was very 
um, strange for me to be there. It was uncomfortable. Um, but as an educator, I was pretty excited to see people applying what I taught them. So impressive. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I won't even start about the porn. <laughs> Ugh. So, yeah, pornography and me, we are not, yeah. It's, there's, I think that's another thing that I worry about the youth is how easily accessible porn is and how extreme some can be. And I think that's another reason to empower our youth is to teach them the correct ways about sex because, yeah, porn is not real sex. Almost anything. So, kind of a lot of dirt, huh? This was our interview with Becky, one of our educators here at the Sexology Institute. Tune in next time for more interviews with our staff and see what else we have in store. Thanks for listening.